please open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter will not take all the chapter as we normally we don't. We're hoping that we can get through as, as, and we have communion today, but uh, we only have a very a, a, a few short minutes together. As we study the Bible together, we want the Holy Spirit to just fill us afresh to get us to hear what we need to hear today uh, through his word. Now in the book of Romans, we see that Paul dealt with three major sections so far, topics so far. We saw first topic that he dealt with was condemnation. And we saw that in chapter 1 through chapter 3, verse 20. And we saw that we were born a sinner and that we are condemned. We are to be punished because of that sin that's in us. Apart from a Savior, we will be condemned. Then we saw a second section, the section of justification, and that was in chapters 3, verse 21, to chapter 5, verse 21. And justification, just as if you've never sinned before, we were justified or made righteous by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are justified by faith alone in Christ alone, period. Not any works. Not any good deeds that you've done. or That is not going to earn you to heaven. It is by believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. And therefore, we stand in his grace that we saw in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, and not by the law. Then we saw a third section, sanctification, chapters 6 and 7. And in these two chapters, we saw that we were made Holy, we were sanctified the same way we were justified, and that is by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hebrews 10.10 says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We also see in Roman, uh, Hebrews 10.29 that it was the, by the blood of the new covenant by which was he was then sanctified. So it's by God's body and by his blood that we are sanctified. That's why we do communion. We come to the table. We remember what Jesus has done for us, not what we did for him. We celebrate and are in awe of what he's done for us. And today we'll see a fourth section. Paul brings about a new topic today, and we see that through the chapter 8, and that is security. Our security in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Romans 8.39 that we will see later on in the next couple weeks. It's nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Our security happens because of a relationship with a person and the power comes with that relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's the filling of fresh of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that gives us that security and power to live our lives day by day. Now,
Now, the Holy Spirit is only spoken of once in all of chapters 1 through 7 that we saw. But in chapter 8, we are going to see the Holy Spirit is noted 19 times for us. And so you can see the main uh, person or the main person we're going to talk about through is the Holy Spirit himself. Chapter 8 is divided commonly by many commentators, by many if you've ever heard this of the teaching of Romans of chapter 8 before, you'll see it in four parts. The first part we see in verses 1 through 11, no condemnation. Pretty clear, it will be very obvious to us. Next week, Lord willing, we'll see verses 12 through 17, no obligation. Then we're going to see no frustration, verses 18 through 30. And then finally, 31 through 39, no separation. So here in chapter 8, we are going to move in the discussion of a new and wonderful life in the spirit or our security comes from the life or the spirit of life. That we have been given the spirit of life and that is why we rejoice in our Christian walk. We will also see today a many contrasts. And one of those key contrasts is the contrast between life in the spirit versus life in the flesh. And he makes it very clear to us the two different lives that we live or can live. Now, if anyone was depressed over the last few several weeks around chapters 6 and 7, because Paul highlights the fact that we, uh, we, we desperately need Jesus and we desperately know that we are sinners and we desperately know that through this transformation that needs to take place, we are to die of self. Now, that can be heavy topics over the last several weeks, as you know. But here, as we move from chapters 1 through 7, we move into chapter 8. It is probably the best chapter of all the scriptures that I love. You'll hear me say this. The book of Romans is one of my favorite books. It is my favorite book because this chapter 8 really highlights the celebration that we can take of Moving from the first seven chapters in chapter eight, we'll see the, just the, the joy and the love that can fill our hearts of knowing that we have a security in Christ as we move through this life on this earth into eternity. So I have great news for you all. The great news is that if you are down and out today, if you have a weight or a depression of, of, of spirit coming upon you today, and that heaviness, that weight is causing some challenges within your life and within your families and within your community at work, then we have great news for you today. Because that depression, that weight that is on you, it falls within three areas. One is you are either haunted by something in your past, and that's weighing you down, or you are weighed down by something presently happening in your life that's weighing you down or you are anxious about something in your future the unknown you haven't figured it all out so that it becomes a weight it becomes a depression and it kind of weighs you down and it doesn't allow you to move forward and to live for christ in joy and and uh and gladness but today we're going to see in chapter eight that Christ takes care of that. You don't, we don't have to be haunted. We don't have to be weighed down. We don't have to be anxious for anything. 
Roman 8 is the cure for all of these conditions. And if we will receive what the Lord has for us in this chapter today, we will experience a relief from that depression spirit that afflicts us so commonly, so easily, because we will bring about the spirit of life within you if you would just believe what you're about to read and hear in the scripture. This is the medication that comes from the great physician for you and I to solve our depression issues. Because we have security in Christ. See, the spirit of life comes because, and it comes about because God has dealt with our past. He has dealt with our present. And he has dealt with our future already. And right here, right, very first thing up we deal with that Paul brings about in verse 1 is there is no condemnation concerning your past. None. There's no punishment for your past sin if you're in Christ. There is no condemnation. That, you will, that will come from God. Now in verse 28 when we get to that, it states that all things are working together for good in the present. Your present situations, all things are going to be worked out for good for those who love him. And who are called to his will, according to his will. In verse 38 and 39, we will see promises that were not there. The promises there can be no separation from God's love in the future. So you know for a fact you can hold secure in the fact that his love is never going to leave you in the future. Regardless of what you've done. We can glorify that. We can honor him. We can be glad. We just should be rejoicing and praising him daily because of that. But now if we believe this, then the spirit of life will result in an abundant life that was promised for you and for me. That's what he says. So Paul will describe the ministry of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God in your life. The source of divine power for sanctification and spiritual victory in our daily living. So let's pick up here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Follow along. It says, there, there is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None. There's no condemnation. Do you believe that? Do you meditate on that? Is that what grips you in your daily living? The fact that there is no condemnation that's going to come from God and judge you, punish you for your past sins. The simple de declaration of no condemnation comes to those who are in Christ Jesus, we see here. And since the Father does not condemn Jesus, neither can he condemn those in him. They are not condemned. They, are not, they will not be condemned and they cannot be condemned. This place of confidence, security that we have, this peace comes after the struggle and the conflict we saw in Romans chapter 7. Paul was very real to us. He was showing how much he was struggling between his old life and his new life in Christ. He was trying to take the old life and bring it into the new life. He thought, oh, I can still follow the law. I can still do the old things. And no, you cannot. You can't have one foot in the past and one foot in the future. If you're following Christ, move forward, press forward. If you're living in the past, you're just going to be stuck and you're going to be 
very, very depressed. But Paul looks to Jesus now here in chapter 8. He's moved from chapter 7. He's moved on from this, this struggle, this battle that he was dealing with. And he now reveals in the scriptures here to us that he stands in him, Jesus and him alone. So this chapter doesn't answer just chapter 7 and the struggle there, but it really is a summarization of what has been dealt with for all of chapters 1 through 7. It ties this all together and all the thoughts, and it brings it to a climax here of just joy for us because the word condemnation is seen only four times in Romans. Once in Romans 3, twice in Romans 5, and here in Romans 8. And it speaks of a courtroom verdict declaring a judgment or punishment on a guilty person. Romans 5.12 says, Just as though one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. We inherited our sin from Adam. And because of that, we're guilty. But here, Paul highlights to you and I, for those who trust in Christ, in Jesus Christ as our Savior, will not be condemned. We will have no condemnation. We have set, been set free. We're not going to be guilty. The judge is not going to sit there and slam the hammer down and say, guilty of your past sins, guilty of your present sins, and guilty of your future sins. I know them all. You're guilt. No, he's going to say, you are free. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We all deserved punishment, condemnation, didn't we? We know what we've done in our lives. We know what we think. We know where we've gone. We know that it did not please God. We know how sinful and wretched we are because Paul even said it in Romans 7.24, oh, how wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he goes on in verse 25 of chapter 7. He says, oh, I thank God through Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. That is who I trust in. Not what? Not some organization. Not my own flesh, my own wisdom, my own strength. I'm no longer going to live like that. I'm going to trust and live and in the power of Jesus Christ. That's who sets me free. It's not who and it's not what and where, it is who. So many of us chase, I'm going to go live here because that's where I'm going to have peace and joy. No, it's not. This organization, this climbing the ladder, this position, this much money, this much in the bank account, that's going to give me the freedom. No, it's not. Oh, if I can just be this or be that. No, it's not. Relationship with Jesus Christ. That is who will set you free and give you the security, the rescue, and the peace and the joy you're looking for. Because Jesus Christ does not condemn you. He's sitting in, he's standing in, in heaven right now, representing you and I to the Father. He's our, he's our lawyer, he's our spokesperson. He he is saying, I know, I I paid the penalty for that person's sin. Why are we not condemned? 
what we see here in the scripture today is five reasons why we are not condemned. The first reason we see is the fact that we're in Christ Jesus. If we're born again, if he is our Lord, if he's our Savior, he is your master, he is who you go to that allows him to to direct your life. You're just obedient to what he's calling you to do. And if you do that, then you know that you have the fact that you will not be condemned because you've turned your life over to Christ. Regardless of how bad your past is, it may even you may even pile up condemnation on yourselves because we we don't hold back. We hold we just look and ponder on our past and we just keep heaping it on and just oh I did this and I did this I can't believe I did this I ruined my life I ruined my family and we go on on but Christ is not doing that God is not heaping condemnation on you you're doing it to yourself and He's not calling you to do that He paid that. Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He's removed your transgression. As far as the east is west, you can't even touch it. Why are you touching? No touching. No touching. Don't even don't think about it. Don't ponder it. Just be praising and grateful for the fact that he has saved you and cleansed you from your past sins. Hebrews 10, 17, their sins and their lawless deeds, I remember no more. He doesn't remember. He doesn't ponder on them. God forgives and God forgets. No longer guilty before God. We are set free. Do you believe that today? Because he'll reveal it. He'll do it. He's going to work it in you where you will believe that you have been forgiven. And God remembers your sins no longer. He always sees Christ in you. You're in Christ. There's a story in John chapter 8. You know the story, verses 1 through 11. Jesus is in the Mount of Olives. He start, works down that morning. He's coming into the temple like he always did. He always was in town. He went to the temple. He went in. And he has the ability to share truth. Share the word. People are gathered there in the temple. Oh, what a great student this guy is. And all the people came to him. And he, and he sat down and he taught them. <laughs> Back in those days. The teacher sat and everyone else stood. I don't know what happened over the centuries, but something changed here. But he sat down and everyone gathered to listen to the word, teaching. And the scribes and the Pharisees, those legal, those uh, religious leaders, brought to him, Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Well, Jesus responded. They were testing Jesus, as we see in Scripture. They they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear you could picture him sitting 
He gets down on the ground, and he's on that smooth, hard stone, um, flat surface. He starts to write. He wasn't writing in the dirt. He writes some dust there, but he was starting to write. And so when they continued asking him, because they didn't respond to him the first time, they kept asking him, kept asking, kind of getting to, as he was sitting there on the lay, or sitting on the ground. And he raised himself up, and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, not those who saw what he was writing, those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw that no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Where are those accusers of yours? That's a critical spiritual piece. no one condemned you? And she said, no, my Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Did you hear that? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That doesn't mean she didn't commit a great sin, you know. Because the fact that that is not going to be your lifestyle anymore, woman. From here on, that's going to be the adoption. can move on. You have a new life. I don't condemn you. I'm not coming back later to judge and punish you for your sin. What? No condemnation? But the law says. The word of God, the Moses says. And Jesus says, no condemnation. John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have, been, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Are you praising God and hallelujah for that? All things are new. Now we see a second reason why we have no condemnation. We see it really in verse 4, but at the end of the verse here as well. We walk in the Spirit. In chapter 6 and 7, Paul was trying to obey the law in the flesh, doing it his way. His own strength, his own wisdom, his own ability. He wanted what he wanted, the way he wanted it. And why aren't people following and doing, let me do what I want to do? And he struggled. that there is weakness in the flesh, Romans 6, 19. So Paul now comes to this understanding here in chapter 8 how important it is for him to walk in the Spirit and to be reliant on the power of the Spirit and to be obedient to the Spirit. 
is when we confess our sin. When we confess our sin and bow our knee to him as Lord. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and empowers and enables us to walk in the Spirit day by day in this life that we call Christianity. Romans 8 and 11. But the, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you have those circled in your Bible? Do you meditate on those scriptures when things get difficult and the past gets really ugly and piles and you try to pile? Do you go back to what the scriptures and the promises that have for you and for me? Our proof of our salvation, evidence we were born again, is seen by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, while it is true that those who are in Christ, should not and do not consistently walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is not a condition for their status of no condemnation. So many times we go, oh, I fall down again. I was walking in the flesh. Oh, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be punished. Oh, my, oh, my. No, that's not what our no condemnation is based upon. Our our good days and our bad days. It doesn't, that doesn't change no condemnation. Their position, our position in Jesus is the reason for standing of no condemnation. It is not of works lest anyone should boast, Ephesians 2, 9. Because we certainly can't boast of how we live sometimes. As a believer, we really mess up sometimes. So we can't sit there and boast that we are just these perfect Christians living flawlessly. We may pretend or so. Like a, it's like an Instagram moment. It looks so perfect in that square picture, but the chaos that's all the way around it, people don't see all the time. But our position in Christ is what allows us to have no We receive this glorious declaration from God's court. The judge says, boom. Corey, no condemnation. Now you're free. You're free. Amen. See, we don't receive it because we don't deserve condemnation. Oh, we certainly deserve condemnation. We deserve the punishment for things that we have done. But we receive it because Jesus bore the condemnation, the punishment we deserve. Our identity is now found in him. He is condemned no more. Neither are we. We are forgiven. And that's why we see in verse 2 a third reason of no condemnation. Is that we have the spirit of life. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life is Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
free from our sin and death. We are free from the laws and death because we now have the spirit of life. Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We are no longer practicing the lifestyle of sin any longer that we used to. We don't continue to live a lifestyle of sin. We have chosen to repent and turn around and follow Jesus. So we do, we are free. And he's given us the spirit of life. Oh, how the law of sin and death can be very heavy, can be very strong, can seem to have a grip on us sometimes. That absolute law of sin and death seems to just plague us at days. But every sin we commit was brought about death. It brings death. It was had to be it had to be dealt with by death, and Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins and for mine, so it would be put to death finally, once and for all. But remember, as much as you think your sin and death seems to have a strong hold of you at days, the spirit of life is stronger. It's more powerful, and it over, has overcome the law of sin and death, and you are free. Do you believe that, my brothers and sisters? Do you really believe that? Because if you did, joy and peace will reign in your life. You will experience this, this joy and peace that we learned last week or so that there's three forces that are always against you in your life every day what are those three forces Satan the world and our flesh oh it's a dangerous little combo that little trio can be really brutal on you and I the challenge and the failure comes when you and I try to to take on one or two or all three of these, these forces that are coming against you. You try to do it in your own strength, your own wisdom, your own manipulation of things. Your, your worldly thinking has comes back to life and you look and you listen to all these other sayers on Facebook and everywhere else and you draw these conclusions and you wonder why you, you and I fail at the end of the day because we did not turn to the word of truth source and trust in the relationship and the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so Satan, the flesh or the world, really dominates you and I at times because I have a body <laughs> and I live in a world that's controlled by Satan. And this will be a challenge for you and I until he calls us home to glorification. And without the Lord's strength and wisdom, I and you are subject to that law of sin and death. Now, Romans 8.1 tells us we're free from the guilt of sin. We're free from the guilt of sin. If you have guilt of sin, you're doing it to yourself. Or the, Satan's doing it, or the world's trying to tell you, or someone in the past trying to tell you. But God's not telling you. You are free from the guilt of sin. And Romans 
verses 2 here tells us we are free from the power of Satan. That means Satan, the world, and your flesh no longer has the power to cause you to sin. You have the Holy Spirit to help you lift you up and move forward, but you don't have to sin. Now, the fourth reason we see here for not having no condemnation is God's love for us. We see it in verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. The law does do some good things for us. The law does guide us. It sets some boundaries for us. It's a tutor for us, teaching us what we should and should not do. It tells us about God's character and what we want to be like. We want to be more Christ-like. So the law shows that to us. But the law cannot give us the power to overcome the flesh. It can give us the standard that we need to be set by, the bar that has been raised. But it cannot give us the power to live lives pleasing to God. Because the law is weak, we see here in this verse. Because it speaks of this flesh of just weakness. It comes to fleshly men and it speaks to them as fleshly men. That's all it does. But the work of the Spirit transforms us. By the crucifixion of the old man, it puts to death the old man, never the old woman, the beautiful young woman always, puts to death because it just seems to be, have power. But the crucifixion of the old man, it imparts the new man. It's the authority higher than the flesh. We sang of that, that lost song, I believe, of the authority of God over our lives. Romans 7.12 says, The law is holy. Yes, the commandment is holy and just and good. Yes, it's good. But in verse 18 of chapter 7, For I know that in me that it is in my flesh nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not know. And you're not going to find it in the flesh. You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it, certainly from Satan. You will only find it as the Holy Spirit reveals to you in your obedience to what he reveals to us. See, the law cannot defect sin. It can only detect sin. It's the x-ray that reveals it internally going on. did by sending his own son. We see that in verse 3. God sent his only begotten son. Only Jesus can defect sin. And he did just that through his work on the cross. He did the work. He did the whole thing. God's love 
God's love for us is so wonderful and so perfect. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out for fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Do you see that we can, that fear of the past of what we've done that's unpleasing to God can be put aside by the dominance of his love and his presence for you in your life? You certainly don't have to fear your present or your future. God showed his love for us by sending his son, Jesus. But in order to defeat sin, Jesus had to identify with those bound by it. By coming in the likeness of sinful And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul was very careful in his words he wrote on paper. He wrote here indicating that Jesus was not sinful flesh. But he identified with it entirely. We could not say that Jesus came in sinful flesh because he was sinless. We could not say that Jesus came in the likeness of flesh because he really was human, not just like a human. He was 100% human. But we can say that Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh because although he was human, he was not sinful in himself. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus was as perfect and a perfect sinless man for us to keep our eyes on. No one else. No other man. Sin was condemned in the flesh. He was con- that, that sin was condemned in the flesh of Jesus as he bore the condemnation we deserved on the cross. And since we are in Christ, we have already had that condemnation come and passed over us. Like the Passover lamb, it has come and it has passed over you. You will not. Judged, you will not die. Jesus paid the price for our sins. He paid the present sins, and he will pay for our future sins. 1 Peter 2.24, he understood this. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, for whose stripes you were healed. 
2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. As Jesus condemned all sin on the cross, he killed all that sin. He crucified it while on that cross for you. Now, the fifth reason for no condemnation, we see here in verse 4, and that is the fulfillment of the law. It says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's a way to walk. Did you know that? While you're here on this earth, there is a way for you to walk that is right. And it's one of two ways. You're going to walk in the flesh your own way. Or you're going to walk according to the spirit God's way. That's the contrast. That is, that, is, that is clearly for us here we see. And there's no condemnation because that fulfillment of the law is met here by Jesus. Because Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. And because we are in Christ... We fulfill the law as well. The law is fulfilled in us in regards to obedience because Jesus' righteousness stands for all. We are made righteous. The law is fulfilled in us in regards to punishment because the punishment that is demanded because of sin in our life was poured out upon Jesus on the cross. He paid that penalty, that punishment. That we deserve. And because he's done that for us. And because we are in him. And he is in us. We get that paid into our account. It is paid by Jesus for us. So that we do not have to pay it ourselves. And he who lives in us. Fulfills the perfection requirement. That is required. So simply put. Jesus is our substitute. Jesus was treated as a sinner, so we can be treated as righteous. He substituted. And those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, their life is marked by obedience to the Holy Spirit and not obedience to the flesh. How do you know? What do you see in someone's life? Is just watching and seeing if you see the fruit of their life. You just see how they walk in their daily lives. Because if they're obedient to the word of God, obedient to the Holy Spirit, then they walk in the Spirit. And it's not like Ezekiel 4, 6, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. God wants the Spirit to rule over our flesh. And when we allow the flesh to reign over the spirit, we find ourselves bound by the sinful patterns and desperations and that marked Paul's life that we saw in Romans chapter 7 and even the previous six chapters. Because the struggle is real for you. Our walk, that pattern of our lives, 
must be according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. The direction that we choose. God, I choose to follow you. God, I choose to be obedient to you. I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. I am willing to die of self and just live simply for you. I don't have my own personal goals. I have goals that you have set before me. And walking in the Spirit means that course, that direction, that progress of one's life that is directed by the Holy Spirit. And that means there's this continuation, this this progression of motion. Now, as we move here in verse to move verse five, we will now see contrast. We will see the contrast uh, between the flesh and the spirit, and how we are to live. Now, but because of time, we're going to have to stop right there. 